Welcome to Winning Slowly, a podcast about culture, technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Stephen Caradini. And I'm Chris Kreitcho. And today we're going to talk about something that we're still kind of grappling with the name of, but we're going to call the prosumerization of work. It's a clunky and terrible title, and we're still laughing at ourselves a little bit. <laughs> we uh, we actually got to the start of this podcast and kind of paused because we didn't know how to say what we were going to be talking about. So we uh, we have a, a clear grasp of what it is, I think, but we just don't have a good name for it. So I'm sure we're somebody okay will, with that. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure somebody's going to comment to be like, "Oh yeah, you mean X term?" And we're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that." And we'll say uh, thanks. But until then, um, we are going to be looking at what it means to do work in fields where everybody thinks that they can do this thing now, um, from the uh, the artistic to the writer to the web designer to all sorts of things. So basically what happens when someone says, I can do that, and they kind of can, sort of, mostly, <laughs> maybe, on Tuesdays. If they have a really good software package that does a lot of the work for them. Yep, yep. So this affects both of us in different ways. Uh, you're a software uh, designer, um, and you're a you know web designer, and so many of your skills um, people can pick up various parts of. I mean, I work in the music industry where people think that they can, you know, become bands and be part of the music industry, which on some level is completely true and on some levels is completely false. Um, (laughs) And it's... uh, Schrodinger's band. Yeah, Schrodinger's band. We are a band and we're not a band. We're in the industry and we're not in the industry. Yeah. So it's complex, and it goes against a lot of different ways of of thinking about, you know, music and art and and quote unquote industry. And so, it's uh, yeah. So we'll just we'll just jump right into it. Why don't you start with uh, a little mini rant? I'll give you some space here to uh, to get a little rant <laughs> in, but I'm going to stop you before like a minute. So this whole thing kind of came up because a little while back, Squarespace put out a service that lets users create logos for themselves. And of course, the design of Sphere went, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's a very technical term for getting that's, angry. That's a, very, that's a very technical term, yes. Uh, basically, the design sphere in the blog world said... Now you're devaluing real design skills and you're making people think that they have real design chops when they don't, etc. And in some sense, I'm sympathetic to these critiques. There is a sense in which design, good design, is a lot of hard work and you have to study to do it well. And whether that study is formal or not, you really have to invest time and effort and energy and a lot of thought to design things well, whether that's a web page or a piece of desktop software or an Android or iPhone app, whatever it may be, good design is hard. Yeah. So when Squarespace puts this thing out, well, it's kind of like the advent of desktop publishing software, otherwise, and at a common level, known as Microsoft Word, where all of a sudden everyone thought, hey, I can print my own newsletters. And the world was inundated in Comic Sans and Papyrus and designers and typographers everywhere cringed themselves into oblivion. Mm, Yes. There's 
there's a sense in which the technologies we're dealing with, be that the internet in general or computers in general, or some of the particular software platforms have made people think, oh, I can do that. And in one sense, that's really, really good. We, we like that there's a democratization of skills and that I, while doing an undergraduate degree in physics with some helpings from the music composition department on the side, could go start learning software development and web design and be teaching myself all along the way until eventually that turned into a job and I'm fairly decent at it. That kind of democratization is great. But the problem comes when we start to think about things like uh, the, the scale of things. So yeah. you know someone who is most likely female, most likely in college, and most likely has a nice camera and has a photography company. <laughs> yes, you this, do. This is, you this probably is, know four of those this people. This is not fact. a bad thing to some degree. The bad thing is that there are other people who are – you know, have gotten degrees in photography or have had years and years and years of experience in photography who are saying, maybe that person isn't a photographer in the same way that I'm a photographer. Right. Not that they're not a photographer because they have a camera and they take photographs, therefore photographer, but they're not a photographer in the same way that, you know, a person who has, you know, three really expensive cameras and multiple lenses and really knows um, their craft by dint of years of experience is there's just there's just a difference there mm -hmm. um, the problems come when we start differentiating that between uh, you know what the audience thinks as a photographer like what the levels of cost are for these photographers like how these photographers navigate the same system together in different ways these right. are all really complex complex and complicated questions that we've really only started dealing with through vindictive blog posts and things like this. <laughs> and it's worth note that they differ widely depending on sort of genre and medium. You know, as Stephen opened talking a fair bit about music, and here we just talked about design and now photography, and we could say the same thing about the news industry with blogging and right. journalism and all of that. As we start trying to figure these out, they're not the same. You know, right. we talked last week at length about how the transition from blogging to podcasting was, you know, it was hard because they're not the same. Well, here we're dealing with similar phenomena across a wide variety of professions, phenomena. genres. Phenomena. And though the phenomenon in each case looks somewhat similar, it it also has some of these really important differences, which mean that you can't navigate each field in the same way. So, for example, music. You know, what does it mm. look like to be a part of the industry in music? Right. And that's a really interesting question that I've been thinking a lot about recently, is that there's a big difference between uh, – there's a big and obvious difference between going on The David Letterman Show and playing local shows – Right, um, but but the difference is how do you how do you get there and what's in the middle, and the middle is an interesting and difficult problem because there are people who try really hard to break into the industry and just can't do it. 
Um, then there are people who don't seem to try very hard at all and they can't break into the, or they do break into the industry really easily. It just seems like they just kind of float along. Um, and there's something to be said about different genres and different places that you live, et cetera, et cetera. But to some degree, the marker between the bands that are really getting it and the bands that are not getting as much exposure is, uh, the contacts they're making, the amount of touring they're doing, the connections that they're getting from those tours, um, and so kind of the activity of being a band, of doing the touring, mm -hmm. is really what puts them into the industry. And so even though plenty of people can put up music on the internet and you know start promoting themselves, there's such a massive amount of music on the internet that that's not really a differentiator anymore. Like... The most amazing bands that you can ever hear are on the internet, but they may or may not be an actual part of the music industry in terms of actually getting their stuff out there to, you know, various different people. One of the things that's very different in that regard on, say, web design is that sometimes contacts are really important and sometimes they're not. Sometimes you just you know, land a job and that leads to another job and that leads to another job. And you can be part of the industry as this guy working quietly over there making sites better for churches or plumbing companies or what have you in your local context. And so, quote, breaking in isn't the same kind of, you know, go make these connections. Now, if you want to be a name in web design, if you want to be a, you know, a Jason Santa Maria or somebody like that whose name gets batted around and designers know who you're talking about, yeah, you have to do some of that networking and go hit conferences and, you know, contribute big cool things to the web. But big cool things. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> web design, the Michael Bay movie. <laughs> I think I would pay to see that movie. <laughs> Maybe at Redbox, not at a theater, but I, mean, I would Lots still pay for it. Lots of images of people staring at computers, and then those computers exploding. <laughs> it's like the social network meets Transformers. <laughs> the social transformer. The, uh, the difference there is that in a lot of cases... You know, you've got people who, who think they can do it. I think in some cases in the music industry, you have people where, well, actually, I guess you have this in both. You have people who think they can do it because GarageBand exists and Dreamweaver exist. Mm, yes. And in both cases, you have a really great tool, which is enabling people to do things they would not otherwise do, but that can mask deficiencies in those people's actual skill sets. And yes. I think that's what gets more professional musicians or designers really up in arms about this democratization, this prosumerization, as it were. Right. Somebody can sit down with GarageBand and throw some loops together and record themselves and then apply a whole bunch of auto-tune and whatnot and have a recording that sounds somewhat decent and that can be really frustrating to the person who puts in enormous time honing their craft and getting their sound just right and sure they're using GarageBand or more likely something like Logic or something like that but Pro Tools all that stuff right at some point they have to deal with the fact that some guy sitting in his room with a whole bunch of loops can come up with some cool stuff and that can be frustrating and likewise right. 
the designer can sit there and say, Squarespace, you're kind of pseudo-algorithmically, pseudo-helping people design their things and making them feel like they're designers, and you're devaluing our work. You're making it harder for us to get paid for the things we're doing that we've been trained to do that we're really good at that those people cannot actually do through no fault of their own, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they're not capable of doing it. Yeah, there's that rant I was looking for at the top of the hour. Well, sorry, it was a little delayed. <laughs> but I think there's some complexity even to those arguments because mm -hmm. the the uh, the Squarespace logo maker uses the Nouns project, which is something that designers just do as kind of a gratis service to the universe. Um, and so, you know, Dreams, uh, Dreamspace, Dreamweaver, Space Dreamweaver Squares, um, Squarespace. That um, sounds like someone else's movie, but not a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> uh, uh, Squarespace wasn't really, you know, making um, stuff that designers hadn't already put out into the universe, quote unquote, devalued. They were just using the stuff that was already there, which is intriguing on its own. On, uh -huh. the, on the music front, it's a little bit more interesting because there are some aesthetics that value non like quality recordings so like san francisco lo-fi garage rock and you know a lot of lo-fi you know acoustic singer songwriter like tape tape looping stuff like there's a lot of aesthetics that value the crappy recording um, but the difference is that there's a a um a person trying to make a career off of this and actively trying to make a career off of it in terms of, you know, booking tours, you know, taking a crappier job so that they have time to go do this music thing. That person has more on the line, has more risk involved in the actual being of a musician, whereas somebody who's just making something, putting it on the Internet and saying, hey, wasn't that fun? Right. It has a different level of risk and is ostensibly taking the same listeners. And that's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. So the problem is not that the person was originally creating it. I mean, I create hobbyist music. Um, so, like, I'm part of the problem if that's a problem. <laughs> but I, I don't think that it's a problem of, like, the impulse to create or design, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a problem of being able to differentiate uh, for listeners and for audiences. This is something that you should pay money for. This is something that is for fun, that is goofy and chill and whatever. Right. And being able to say okay, that is of value, but it's not of value in that the person who's doing it doesn't value it at the same level that the person over here is valuing it. And there's not really a button for that, right. unfortunately. There's not really a button for like, hey, I'm really trying to make it over here. <laughs> um, and, and even if you are really trying to make it, what if that guy over there is just a flat better musician and he's not trying to make it. Things start right. to get really complicated then. Yeah, mushy and messy. And there's plenty of artists who have just thrown stuff up on the internet and people have been like, wow, I really enjoy that. And so do a lot of other people. And so let's make this into a professional musician. <laughs> um, and, you know, so those things start to happen. And it, it so it, it does get really kind of weird and, and squishy in the same way that, you know, maybe those, you know, uh, girl college female photographer people are you know get really good at you know uh photography and maybe even not like the um you know the technical aspects of photography but they're really good at making babies smile yeah um, 
which is a non-trivial element of baby photography, which is a, let me tell you. Incredibly important thing. Like if you have the ability to make babies smile and you can take baby portraits and then like you're going to get repeat customers <laughs> and you're going to get a lot of word of mouth. And so, you know, the technical quality, sure, you get an MK3 and, you know, you're good to go, whatever. Or actually, I think that's a video film camera. I don't know, whatever. But um, you get a You get a good old camera. Um, but there are other skills that might propel you into a career of sorts, you know, so there's so it, it does get really complex. It starts to become a web of things and not just a, a little bushel. Um, but I still think that it's important to note that there is a difference between people who are trying to make a career mm-hmm. and people who are not actively trying to ply their wares in a, you know, in a space and people who are semi-professional like I have, you know, solid and worthy income about nine, ten months out of the year because of my uh, academic employment. But that means that, you know, three, two, three months out of the year, I'm hustling for freelance uh, writing and editing. Right. So if, uh, uh, by the way, if anybody out there is looking for a freelance writer or editor, <laughs> you know where to find it. I've got 11 years of experience. Uh, so, but, so there's, you know, and so that level, I'm, you know, I'm a professional in that I do professional level work and I've been professionally trained. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've worked for, you know, state governments and stuff like this is not that I have trivial skills. It's just that I don't use them, you know, as my 100% bread and butter. Right. Um, and by contrast, I came into the kinds of jobs I'm doing now backwards by the process of prosumerization to go back to our word there mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we both see this from both angles and have in various ways experienced it from both angles of being the people benefiting from that democratizing factor and being the people who look around and see how that democratizing factor hurts. Right. As with most things with technological advance, the distribution of who gets help and who gets hurt is uneven and uneven not only at any given point in time, but uneven over time as the system is sorting itself out. Right. And as we try to figure out how to make the best out of new and sometimes confusing realities on the ground. Right. And so it's a very interesting thing to look at, you know, these professional models that uh, people like, uh, who's that author that we were talking about earlier? Ben Thompson of Stratechery. Yeah. He has some great work on, you know, models for journalism, um, some of which has been talked about by, you know, Neiman Lab and some other places that are forward thinking about journalism. Um, some people are already doing it, like Daring Fireball, stuff like that. These sorts of, of, of models, these anticipated kind of this will happen someday things, what we really need is some sort of marker that says like, hey, I'm trying to do this. <laughs> like, need, Help need, me out here. Yeah, I need a little button on there that says like, officially trying to be a career professional. <laughs> like, you know, and because to, to some degree, you're, you're gonna, as you, you know, surf Twitter and stuff and you find articles and you, you know, you read them because that's what a lot of people use Twitter for. Not everyone, but a lot of people do that. I do that. Mm-hmm. Chris does that. Um, you know, a lot of times I just leave the site without ever thinking about like, oh, is this person getting paid by a company or right. is this person just hanging out on Medium doing their thing or like what do they do? And sometimes I track down the artist, 
artist or author and look for what they're doing. But a lot of the time, I'm just like, dang, really good article, bro. Share it on Facebook. And then I go my way. And, right. And then partially that's, you know, I mean, I might be inclined to, to chuck a dollar or two towards that article if I, mm-hmm. you know, had a clear way to do it and knew that that was something that the artist was looking for. Right. Um, well, one of the things that's hard there is that the web still doesn't have a good system for delivering those kinds of payments. I was what talking up, Bitcoin? With... What up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was, I was talking with a, another friend of mine a little while back who was uh, kind of had in the back of his head for a while. He's not a developer. He runs a, another website, but had in the back of his head for a while. Wouldn't it be great if we could build a web platform that did this? And a lot of people have taken stabs at it, but, you know, the financial market is incredibly complex. So being able to do those kinds of small incredibly transactions. Complex. Incredibly complex. That's all you got? Incredibly complex. <laughs> mind-bogglingly, irreducibly mind-boggling. Dang right, it. Now I just use mind-boggling twice in a sentence, so I sound like an idiot. But That's better. It's it's better. <laughs> confounding. There we go. There we go. Mind-bogglingly, irreducibly confounding. There, there we, we go. go. That's better. Continue on. Uh, but because of the complexity of that, the confoundingness of it, and then the difficulty of securing transactions. Oh, wait, we didn't even talk about Heartbleed this week. The... <laughs> The combined difficulty of all of those things, (laughs) you know, we're just in a spot where it's hard to, it's hard to be able to drop a dollar to somebody and that person actually get it. You know, you run it through PayPal and well, maybe PayPal locks their account because PayPal's crazy like that. You Mm. run it through Stripe, which wraps around something else. I don't even remember what right now. Maybe Stripe mm. is the core, or yeah, and other things wrap around it. But know. then all of a sudden, you're dealing with credit card transaction fees. And okay, I I gave you a dollar, but you, you got ninety six cents, and and maybe not even that much because then you had to pay your percentage transaction handling fee to Stripe, and all of this. So we're just in a situation where we're trying to figure out all of these things. And yeah, a button that said, "Help me out, I'm trying to make it," would be great. But then of course you're running right back into the complexity of. Miss, help me out. I'm trying to make it not being as good as Miss. Hey, I'm just over here doing my thing and I don't really care about money because this is a hobby, but I'm awesome at making really good logos that capture the personality of people well. Dang it. Well, I, I think there's a difference between. And again, this is all going to get dicey and subjective and stuff, but if there really is this market for this person who's just doing the thing as a hobby then if they're taking customers from this person who's trying to do this thing as a professional, perhaps this person who's trying to be a professional is, one, not employing their niche very well. Right. um, Or, two, not plying their network effectively um, or need to get a new network. Or, three, they're not at the level where they can be professional at that thing Mm -hmm. yet. Um, And that's a hard reality. Um, but you know, the, uh, the reality will bear itself out without us telling you it. (laughs) (laughs) Economics tends to work like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's some level where, you know, you, you've got to get to a point where you can convince the market that your stuff is good enough. And so, you know, if you're an editor, like you should go start taking editing tests, like until you can do them perfectly. Like if you're a photographer, you need to go out there and like 
you know, look up a blog post. It's like 30 photography tips to can build your skills because they are everywhere um, and do those for a while. And so you've just got to really build, you know, expertise. And I mm -hmm. think that a lot of, you know, well, I'm going to rephrase that before I even say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the market system that we have is great. Um, and I think that there um, perhaps should be some more protections in some various ways, but that's a whole other discussion. What I'm meaning to say is that there are some in-place mechanisms built into the human like brain that can tell when something is good or not good. Mm -hmm. And trying to do an end run around those is not, not particularly helpful. Plan. Yeah, not particularly helpful. So either you have to get better to convince those people who aren't convinced or go try to convince different people. And I think your point about pursuing expertise is really important because I think most designers are very happy for people to study design and get better at it. They're just tired of people saying, I'm a designer because I clicked a couple buttons of Dreamweaver and you didn't do any design. Somebody else did design and give you all the tools to do the design. And likewise, I think most musicians are happy for other people to go acquire those skills. They just want people to actually work at it along the way. Yeah. And so one of the things we can do, I think, is gently rather than angrily make that point to help people see the value in pursuing those skills effectively. Right. And I mean, to some degree, if there are people who are getting jobs off of the skills that they have, regardless of whether or not they're, you know, quote unquote, doing it the right way, right. then that's, you know, they have effectively empowered their network and market and such. And so, you know, I have no qualms with them. If you're, if you're listening to this and be like, I'm not that great, but I still keep getting paid. Well, Carry on, you. my friend. <laughs> Carry on. Um, Keep getting better, but yeah. good for you. Yeah, and you know, but if you are, you know, really good, and you feel like you're struggling, then you know that's, you know, either, you know, it's it's hard to say like go get better because you think you're already great. Um, you already have jobs that show that you're great. Um, and I think that's really where the internet can help you in terms of you know networking and mm -hmm. building these sorts of, you know, areas where. You know, things like LinkedIn and things like, you know, the personal networks that you have and past jobs. And, you know, this is going to turn into a business podcast very quickly if I keep <laughs> talking about this. But I think that there really is some aspect of this is a consumer side problem that has a producer side fix, mm -hmm. which is always kind of lame, but is pretty much the way that things work. Yay, market economics. Yay, market economics. Mm. Anyway, so that's pretty much what we wanted to talk about is, is the prosumerization and how do consumers navigate this, which you know, hopefully we can make a button in the near future um, <laughs> that will help consumers figure this out. This guy's um, trying to be a pro. Woo, support him. Um, and then hopefully from the you know producer side, we can, you know, be able to take a hard look at ourselves and say, like, am I really doing the best I can in this network? Um, if I'm not really doing the best I can, can I get better? If I'm not doing well in this network, can I go find other networks? Can I go find a better niche? Um, long tail forever. So 
thanks for uh, listening to this episode of Winning Slowly. Like all our other episodes, 0.10, because yes, that is how we roll, is available under a Creative Commons attribution license, which means that if you want to use our crazy content here to make money in some crazy way, you're welcome to do that. Just say where you got the content from. Yep. If you want to make dubstep remixes, totally We want to hear it. it. There's your starting beat. Until next time, I have been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Stephen Caradini. Thanks for listening.